be a great are you Lord Jesus great are you Lord Jesus hallelujah hallelujah amen amen always encourages your faith to feel the presence of God amen moving here amen and we know that we're in the right place amen amen Isaiah the sixth chapter familiar passage in the large book of Isaiah Isaiah 6 and 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, and each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, twain he covered his feet, and twain he did fly. And one cried to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Aren't you thankful the earth is full of the glory of God? Amen. You may not be able to see it sometimes, but it's here. His glory is here. Amen. And we know, Lord, he is able. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes has seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one flew of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is Man, aren't you thankful that your sin has been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Where would we be without him, without his blood? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to preach to you today from this title, Blind Spots. Blind Spots. Turn to a few people and greet them in the name of the Lord, and you may be seated today. Man, we have been blessed by God, blessed by God, with with five senses, and along with many other things, but five senses, and, and while we use all of our senses, except the uh, that medical condition that males have, I talked about a few weeks ago, our, our hearing is being attacked, we use all of our senses every moment of every day, it is hard to say which is the best of the senses, but I would say that our ability to see ranks in the top five. The The science of seeing is a, a complex process, and our eyes are incredible. I, I don't even know if scientists really can grasp everything that just goes on in our eyes. But did you know that where the placement of our eyes are, determines how and what you can see. See, humans, we have forward-facing eyes. Our eyes are in the front of our head, and they face this way, obviously. Um, and so front-facing eyes enable us to see and perceive depth and distance. We can judge distance because our eyes are in the front of our head. 
There are many animals, however, who do not have front-facing eyes, but their eyes are kind of more on the sides of their heads. Anyone seen any animals with their head, their eyes kind of see them on their side? Eyes on your side of your head gives you more uh, of an incredible peripheral vision. I mean, you could, they, can see, they can see over here, or we can't. We can see here. Uh, and, and so m most prey animals, like deer and rabbits and sheep and goats and many other of these things that are prey for predators, their eyes kind of are, are more on the sides of their head. Why? Because while they're deep down eating, they can see the horizon. They can see their, the, the perspective around them, and the peripheral is, is fantastic scene. And so uh, they, they can judge distance that way and the depth from the, the prey from that way. But while uh, they, they cannot see anything in front of them, they have a blind spot right, in the, right here. It's because their eyes are facing this way. Uh, and so obviously that's the way God made them to, to, to look around on the horizon because a predator's coming. Uh, and so uh, predators like lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and, and, and wolves, coyotes, they all have forward-facing eyes because they judge depth and they're hunting and they need to understand the depth and the distance that they got to go to pursue these, these animals who can't see them coming head on but can see them from their side. And so uh, while there are many differences in eye placement, everyone and everything has one thing in common, that no matter where your eyes are, there are parts of your vision where you cannot see. These are called blind spots. Animals with eyes more on the sides of their heads have great vision of their surroundings, but their, their forward vision is horrible. They can't see very good this way. Uh, animals and humans who can see in front of them we can judge the distance and we see clearly this way, but our blind spots are over here on our sides based on the position of our eyes. And so we, we probably encounter blind spots most often when we are driving our cars. You check all of your mirrors and from what you can see, it's clear to change lanes. Everything's clear. It's all good to go. And so you start to. But then you abruptly find out that there is a car sitting right next to you. That happens, I'm sure, to everybody. You could not see it because it was in your blind spot. And if you have a, a newer vehicle, they have things to help that out. And maybe I'll be blessed one day to have that assistance. But until now, I'm fighting with my blind spot. And, and so while, while uh, that, that car lays on their horn and politely speaks words to you because they think that you purposely are coming over. They think you saw them and you say, I'm just making my way over. I don't care what they do. Uh, and so they think you're purposely doing it, but in reality, it's an innocent mistake. It's an innocent mistake, and in your best judgment, you were making the right move. I didn't see anybody. You checked, and from what your perspective is, all was clear and all was safe to switch lanes. And so, but to come to find out, we can't always trust our perspective, can we? Sometimes everything looks fine, but our judgment can be way off simply because of what is in our blind spot. And while our vision and our perspective is limited, 
God's vision is not limited. God sees everything, and there isn't anything that slips by uh, our God. Second Chronicles says, For the eyes of the Lord are run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. You see, his throne is in heaven, but his eyes are scanning the entire earth. And God is looking, and God is searching for the hearts and souls of every single person. He's looking for someone whose heart is pure and perfect towards him. Someone who loves righteousness and somebody who loves holiness and somebody who loves to separate themselves from this world. And, and so what happens is uh, when his eyes locate that person who is like that, the Bible says God wants to show himself strong to that individual. He wants to show himself strong in that person's life, in that person's situation Someone that God sees is struggling or, or hurting and, and it doesn't look good for them. That's when God likes to show up and say, hey, I see you. I see what you're going through. I see the hardship and I see your heart and how it's turned towards me. And I'm going to show off my power and my ability to see and make you a way out. You see, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. We can't always see the way out, and maybe the way out is in our blind spot, but I'm thankful that we have somebody up there looking out for us, somebody that can come down to our rescue and say, hey, you need to go over this way. I've made a way of escape for you, and sometimes it may not be hard, it may be hard for you to see it, but I know the way. And so as, as mighty and as powerful as our God is, the truth of the matter is, is that God does have a blind spot. God does have a blind spot. Even though he sees everything, there is a spot that he cannot see beyond. And that spot is the, the, the spot of the, the, of the blood that was shed by the Lamb of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Underneath that spot, God cannot see, but underneath that spot is my sin. Underneath that spot is my filthiness and, and my unrighteousness and all my faults and all my failures. And I'm so thankful that Jesus died for me. Where would I be had he not came and stood in the gap for me? And to stand there. In front of God for me and to hide my sins from the face of God. There's a blind spot that God cannot see. And that is what is under the blood of the Lamb. And I'm thankful that my past is under the blood. That God has cast my sins in the sea of forgetfulness. And he does no longer hold that against me. All because of what is behind uh, the blood. Psalms 51 and 9 David says, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Oh God, tur turn your face from my sins and don't look over here, God. Let this be in your blind spot where I've messed up and where I've fallen short and where I've broken promises and commitments to you, God. Don't let that be in your blind spot and cover it with the blood of the lamb that I, I may be pure in your eyes. Thankfully, God's word tells us where the blind spot of God is. And we are told that we must 
uh, first repent of our sins. We must acknowledge that we are a sinner and that we've all fallen short of the, of the grace and mercy of God. And that we need to confess to him that, God, I've done wrong things. I've done bad things and I've messed up. And the Bible tells us that he is faithful and just to forgive us. Aren't you thankful for the faithfulness of God? That he'll forgive you of your sins no matter where you've been and what you've done. That, and after that we are told. We are told you need to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And, and that's where the, the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus is applied to your life. And, and that's where your sins are, are washed away and they, they kind of flow down into the blind spot where God can no longer see them and remember them or, or chooses not to. And so then God will fill you with his spirit and you're, you're transformed into a new creature in Christ. And, and old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And isn't it amazing that what, a, what can be in a blind spot? That all of our sins of our entire life, years and years of, of ungodly living and ungodly choices all can fit in a blind spot that is covered by the precious blood of the Lamb. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ in my life. I'm thankful that he went to the cross and he died for me so that there can be a place that I can come before uh, the throne of God. See, where, where our eyes are focused and our turn to determines where our blind spot is. Me looking right ahead, my blind spots are over here. But when I, when I start shifting and I look over here, obviously my blind spot moves uh, with us. Uh, and it shifts with our turning of our head and our vision. And so what our eyes are focused on and what we can clearly see also determines our blind spot and what we cannot see. If I'm uh, uh, facing forward, as I said, my blind spots are back here. But how quickly our perspective can shift from one minute to the next. Just the, 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 just the turning of a head and, and you can be blinded uh, and even blindsided uh, with the simple shift of a head and, and the vision of, an, of our eyes. And so uh, that quick shift reminds me of an instance with Peter and how quickly... His vision and, and his blind spot shifted. We see this in Matthew 16. Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And, and they said, Some say they are John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, and others are Jeremiah or, or, or one of the prophets. And, and he said unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter had answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, And blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto me, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church. Upon the rock of who Jesus Christ is, that's the rock that he's building his church upon. And we know who Jesus is. Jesus is God. He is God manifested in the flesh and justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached among the Gentiles, and received up in the glory. So you, you got to understand what is the right church and determined on who Jesus is. If, they think, if you think Jesus is just a member of the Trinity, then you're not in the right church. Because there's only one God, and his name is Jesus. 
all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus Christ in the body of Jesus. And so there's one Lord and one faith and one baptism. And that's the church. That's the rock that Jesus is building his church upon is the identity of Jesus Christ. He said, uh, upon these rocks, uh, this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever that shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, and so I, I can imagine Peter was, was feeling pretty proud about himself. Being uh, the big shot out of the 12, I mean, he's the one, God just gave him the keys, and you know he didn't let that go quietly. He's bragging as much as he can, dangling the keys in front of all the other 11, saying, I got the keys. Uh, but verse 21 uh, uh, is a shift happens. From, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto him his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Hello, I'm trying to tell you guys something. Uh, what's going to happen here, and this is, he told them that at least three times we find in scripture where Jesus told his disciples what exactly is going to be happening. And then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this, is, this shall not be. This is not going to happen. I've got the key. You gave me the keys, Lord. I'm going to lock that door. That's not going to be happening. But he turned and he said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things be of God, but those that be of men. Wait, what? What? What What just happened? What just happened? Peter thought that since he was the man, that he was the only one who saw Jesus for who he really was and, and how Jesus gave Peter the keys of the kingdom and, and Peter's head shifted all of a sudden. It probably, it probably blew up from pride. And, and so he's a little bit out of balance. But what happens is his vision shifted. He, he, saw, he saw Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. His vision was lined up, right, perfectly with God. But then something happened just a few verses later. All of a sudden now, uh, things have shifted. And uh, it's probably because of pride from the keys that he received. And he thinks all things are good and all things are clear. And, and so what happens is good old Pete, he pulls out and he gets T-boned by Satan's semi. He says, no, Lord, that's not going to happen. I can see it. I, 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 everything looks clear to me, and, and that's not going to be happening. And, and he gets rebuked by Jesus. One minute, Jesus has given him the keys of the kingdom, and the next minute, he's getting rebuked by Jesus. What happened was, what changed? It wasn't Jesus that changed. Peter's focus he focused his eyes elsewhere, and then all of a sudden the blind spot came in. His blind spot shifted. He took his eyes off Jesus, and he started looking other ways. And then all of a sudden, uh, Jesus became, came into his blind spot, and he, and he can't turn back and say, let me handle this, Jesus. Anytime we turn our attention and take our focus off of God and start looking at other things, 
Then all of a sudden, that's the time when things start to get worse. Because now our vision is not lined up with God, and now our blind spots are not where they should be, and we're focusing on other things, and what happens is uh, God probably ends up in our blind spot, and now we don't see anything about God because we're looking elsewhere. Because God and his will is now in our blind spot because we're focused on other things. And so if you're looking at Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, then all of your problems are going to be in your blind spots. All the things that we stress about in this life should be in our blind spots. Why? I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. Hey, Lord, lead me and guide me. I don't know what's going on. i got to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm just feeling after you, Lord, and, and my problems, whatever they may be, that's okay because I'm focused on you. We all have problems in our periphery and, 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 our, and things, but if, if they stay kind of in our blind spots, but our eyes are focused on God, everything's going to work out. But when we start turning our eyes and start looking at our problems, then all of a sudden now our blind spot kind of shifts to where God is. We kind of forget about God and say, oh, i got to handle this by myself. And, and so... Uh, we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ uh, so that our perspective is lined up right and we know where we're going and where we're walking and we not get distracted by things that we should not be distracted by. I'm reminded of the story of Job and, and how Satan saw how blessed Job was. And so Satan went to God saying, uh, Job only serves you because of your faithfulness to him. You are faithful to Job, but Job's not really faithful to you. He's just sticking around for all the blessings. You take away the blessings and Job will be out of here. And if you take away all those things you bless him with, we'll, you will see that he really is unfaithful in his heart. And he'll disappear and he'll, he'll blame church and he'll leave church and blame God and he'll go off. Well, we know the account that on a single day, Job lost all of his possessions. He lost all of his wealth along with all of his children. All he had was his health and his lovely wife. And she wasn't too happy. And if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> Moving on. I mean, she lost everything in one day, so she wasn't happy. But, but Job remained faithful. He remained faithful. Then he lost his health, and he was struck with painful boils from head to toe. He didn't say much, but he still sat there and remained faithful to God. And Job begins to pray based on his perspective and all that he sees. And in Job 31, he is making his case. He is praying. He's questioning God. He's saying, why am I going through this, God? I am innocent. Don't you know who I am? I'm Job, the righteous man. I'm innocent. Why, why am I going through this? God, this shouldn't be me. It should not be me because of obviously what I've done and, and all they that I've done for you, Lord, this should not be me. In Job 31 and 35, it says, 
Oh, that one would hear me talking to God. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me and that mine adversary had written a book. So here Job is saying, God, you need to answer me. You need to answer me, God. You know who I am. You know the, the life that I've lived and all the sacrifices I've made and, and uh, all that I've given for you and, and done for you. And I should not be going through this, God. You need to answer me. And so Job got his request answered. Job 38, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is that? Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? God said, who's, who's speaking here? Who's that mumbling some noise? Who's here talking? Gird up now thy loins like a man, Job. You want to call me out, Job? You want to call the Almighty out and say, you deserve an answer from me? Gird up your, your loins like a man, Job, and for I will demand of thee, and you need to answer me. You kind of see how Job's sh vision kind of shifted? Nobody in their right mind would be talking to God like this. He wasn't, his eyes weren't lined up right. And so verse 4 where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, Job, if thou hast any understanding, if you want to talk about the big talk and you want to make, give me, make me answer you, where were you, Job, when, you, when I made the foundations of the world? You go ahead and you answer me now, Job. You want to get smart, Job? Where were you when I made the world? Let me know. I want an answer. You demand an answer of me, I demand an answer of you now. And so for two chapters, God answers Job. Two chapters, that's long in the Bible. Especially when it's directed at you from the Almighty. It's a long, long chapters. And so I don't think we need to read them to get what God is saying, but you go home and you read that. And maybe that will put you, clothe you with humility. And so, then Job answered the Lord in chapter 40. Verse 3, then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. I am vile. What shall I answer you? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer, yea, twice but I will proceed no further. What happened was Job's vision got realigned with God. And he realized, whoa, what am I doing here? I'm vile, and I'm going to cover my mouth. I'm going to shut my mouth because I got a glimpse of who you are, and my question doesn't really matter anymore. I got a glimpse of who Jesus Christ is. I got to look at who God is, and whoa, I am vile. I will not answer. I am nothing, God. I am nothing but dust of this worth, and, and you, God, are, are holy and righteous and mighty, and I'm not going to say anything else. I got out of line, God. My vision got off. 
You got in my blind spot, and I started talking. I started letting my flesh speak out and saying things against the Almighty. And when I got my vision lined back up, I realized I was out of line, and I realized that I'm the one that's vile. I'm the one that's messed up. I'm the one that needs your grace and mercy. I'm the one that would not be here if it wasn't for you. That's what happens when our eyes get shifted off God and we start saying things that we should not be saying, whether to God or, or his children. We start saying things, and what happens is we need to get realigned real quick. Otherwise, things are going to get real bad for us. So something changed in Job. Obviously, you saw it, and I saw it. Job was praying that, oh, God, how I've been faithful to you, and I've been doing all these things, and look at all I've done, and look at who I am. Don't you know I am Job the righteous? You need to answer me, God. I don't deserve to be going through this, and, and why am I going through this? And, and so Job's prayer was all centered around him. It was all centered around him. Why? Because his perspective was off. His eyes were not lined up right, and so he starts saying things. When your eyes are not focused on God and his righteousness, what happens is, is your eyes turned off of his righteousness, and all you can see now is your righteousness. And so we start saying, judging my righteousness with your righteousness. And, oh, you're, you're, you're not doing any good, or I'm better than you, or my deeds are better than your deeds, and, and you don't deserve, you shouldn't be doing that, and, and, and who are you to say that or do that to me? And what happens is, is our eyes have gotten off what the, where the righteousness is. Because the Bible says, my righteousness is as filthy rags. And so here I am trying to compare myself with other people. What happens is, my eyes are not lined up right, because if you take one look at Jesus Christ, you take one look at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you'll realize that you are vile, that you're, who are you? Who am I to be talking? I'm going to cover my mouth, and I'm not going to be saying anything because I don't deserve to be here apart from the grace of God. When our eyes get off of God and God moves into our blind spot, we can get real nasty. Because we're not focused on him anymore. We become self-righteous and oh, we, we compare my deeds against somebody else's deeds and, and what I'm doing against somebody else, what, what they're doing or not doing. What happens is, is we're causing a big problem. And so sometimes the only way that we will change our perspective is to go through something. Because God's trying to get us to realign ourselves. He's trying to get our focus back on him as opposed to everything else. Our, our vision has been off and we're looking at our blind spots when we should be looking at Jesus Christ. The author and finisher of our faith. And so sometimes we have to go through some stuff. Why? Because God says, hey, I'm going to realign you because you've got out of track and you've gone way off course. But he loves us so much that he does not want to see us uh, end up in that bad place. So he allows us to go through a storm with the sole purpose of getting our perspective back on him. So that our prayers will begin, begin be effective again because now we're looking in the right direction and we're praying with the proper perspective and we understand that who we are now and who God is. 
The problem that arises in our lives is when we forget our relationship, we forget our position with us and God, and we, we, we start thinking we're something. We start thinking we're something, and that's because we're not looking at him. We look at him, we realize we're nothing. We realize, we're looking at Jesus, and we realize he can pull the plug, and we're all gone in a split second. We're all gone in a split second, but if you're not focusing on him, we start uh, thinking we're something when we're really not. And so uh, when our, your perspective is shifted and, and right in the right place, your, your prayers line up with what God wants to be done in your life and through you. Job 42 and 7, and it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said unto Eliphaz, the, the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee, against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore, take uh, unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, and that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. And so Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the, the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did according to the Lord commanded them, and the Lord accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Not when he was praying for himself. He was doing that a long time. He was praying to God, God, why have you put me here? And God, why did you do this to me? And God, don't you know who I am? But all of it ended when his, 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 his perception was lined up and he started saying, I'm going to pray for my brothers. I'm going to pray for my friends. I'm going to pray for those who, who stabbed me in the back. I'm going to pray for those who betrayed me. I'm going to pray for those around me. I'm going to pray for those who despitefully used me. I'm going to pray for my enemy. Why? Because my vision is lined up, and I'm going to pray that God's will be done because I am nothing without the grace of God. And so I'm going to start praying for everybody else so that God can use me and speak through me and help minister to others. Because as long as, long as it's all about us, we're not praying for anybody else. And as long as it's all about us, we're not focused on who God is. Because you get yourself aligned with God and you're, you're going to realize real quick it's not about you. That you have no part of it. God can take you out in a split second. We're nothing. All the things that we have done, all of our good deeds don't even match up to the righteousness of God. And that's what happens when God comes into our blind spot and we're focusing on other things. We're looking at the things that should be in our blind spot that shouldn't bother us. Yeah, people get hurt and betrayed and all those things. You keep your eyes on God. You'll keep walking and get, get those stab marks in your back or whatever. You keep marching forward. Didn't Jesus get, didn't he get stabbed and beat and, and he get crucified? He kept moving forward. He kept keeping his eyes on the prize, uh, the joy that was set before him. He's, he's, his eyes were forward and he didn't, he didn't care what was happening around him. And he was taking the beatings and, and taking them. And on the cross it says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The only way you'll be able to say that is if your eyes are on God, not focused on what everyone else is doing or saying. 
so when Job changed his perspective and he started looking through a different lens, he stopped praying about himself. He stopped praying for God to change his situation. He stopped praying for God to deliver him. He stopped praying to, to God to answer him. And he started praying for his friends. He started praying for those that are around him. And God said, now your prayers are going in the right direction. And that is where I wanted you to go. And that is what I wanted you to see. And that is what I want you to pray for. Not yourself or not your situation. But there is someone that I need you to pray for. And there are others out there besides us. And I trust you enough that I'm going to put you through a trial. Because I love you. And you're out of line, and I want you to get realigned because I want to be with you, and I want you to be with me. I'm not, I'm not ready just to cast you out and, and, and push you aside. And so sometimes you have to go through hardships and pain, and, and sometimes people betray you and, and say bad things about you. And as long as you don't get that uh, uh, worried about you and you, you, don't, you don't focus on that, God will see you through it all. God will heal any wounds. God will take care of people. God will, God will soften people's hearts and, and turn them to you as long as you stay focused on God and what he wants. God will work everything out. And all, all that we can do is make sure we're on the straight and narrow. You start trying to get other people on the straight and narrow, you may walk off the straight and narrow. As much as we want other people on the straight and narrow, we, the only person that we can make be on the straight and narrow is ourselves. we got to work out our own salvation. We don't, we're, not, we don't give, we're not given a liberty to work out others' salvation and, and judge their salvation and, and start saying things about them. No, i got to make sure I'm lined up and, and whatever happens, happens. I know that I'm going to stay straight for God and God's going to work everything out. God doesn't need my help. He doesn't need my reporting. He doesn't need my, my gossip. He doesn't need any of that stuff. God sees everything and he can handle it all by himself. So, musicians, if you would come. Trials are designed to draw things out of us. To get these infirmities out of us. We are to be a living sacrifice. That means we got to carry ourselves to the altar and drag our carcass on the altar. And we lay there and we get burned until God says everything looks good to me. What happens is we get upon the altar and we start feeling the pain and stuff of, of the fire and the flames and we hop off the altar and say, well, that was enough for today. I felt a little bit today and so I'm doing better. No, we are to be a, a living sacrifice, a wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Uh, we have to be accepted in God's eyes. And if God wants to burn everything out of us, we got to be willing to submit ourselves to the altar and say, God, let your will be done. And so Job had too much pride in him. Even though he was a righteous man, he did good things. He, he prayed for his children and, and he interceded for them. He did all, all the right things. But even still, there was something in him. There was some pride. And you, can, you, you saw it come out when he demanded the Almighty to answer him. You saw the pride come out. And that's what God was trying to get after. Get that pride out, Job. And then I'll turn your situation around. See, it's not always about us. 
Even when the storm is in our life, even when we are affected by it, the plan and purpose of our circumstance could be entirely for somebody else or it could be something that God's trying to get out of us. So I've, I can imagine Job saying, I've stayed away from these things. I know that they've, they've messed up and uh, I, I, don't, I don't deserve to be going through this all this time. Job was focused on himself and, and his, what was in his blind spot was God. God was in Job's blind spot. He had lost perspective of God and began to look elsewhere, shifting his vision, shifting his eyes, and thus his blind spot moved and God was out of view. And then he says, the Almighty needs to answer me. You remember the change in Job and how that happened is when he got a good look at God and then he said, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I, I will lay my hand upon my mouth. I'm not going to answer anymore because he got realigned with God. You see, when God is in your blind spot, you're not seeing his holiness and you're not seeing his righteousness. And so the only thing that we can see is our righteousness and we start comparing our righteousness with others' righteousness. Comparing ourselves among ourselves, which Paul says is not wise. So we're being a fool. We're being a fool when we, we look at another person and we judge them and say, nah, they're not really all that spiritual or, or, or ah, they're not really praying uh, like they should or praying like, like I pray. Or, or we start comparing ourselves and oh, uh, even if, if God has spoken to me and gave me a personal conviction, but yet I start judging others based on my personal conviction that God spoke to me about, then all of a sudden uh, we're, we're not focusing on each other, are we? We're, we're comparing ourselves. God calls us all to different levels, different commitments, and what he's called you to do, he may not have called somebody else to do. But if we start uh, judging others and, and pointing fingers and saying, oh, you're, you're, you're beneath me because God has called me up here, our eyes are not where they should be. Because if we look at God's righteousness and we look at our righteousness, that's all, that's all we need to look at. Why are we going to compare dirty rags with dirty rags? Who's, who's the dirtiest? Who's the cleanest? None of us can stand before God on our own. And so we start comparing our righteousness against others, and we feel justified, and we start saying things like, uh, um, I, well, I don't deserve to be going through this. After all, God, I've, I've been faithful. Look at all the good things that I've done. And uh, uh, look at those people. They're not really as faithful as I am. And, and why aren't they going through things that I'm going through? I show up every service, and, and I, I pay my tithes and offering, and I do all this. Why am I going through this? It should be them that they're going through, not me. Why are, why are your eyes focused, where are your eyes focused and what's in your blind spot? And see, if you're looking at yourself and others, then God is in your blind spot. But if you're looking at God, there's a lot of things happening in your blind spot that you should, probably shouldn't care about. I'm not, I'm here for God. You stand with me today. Isaiah was a man anointed and called of God to be a prophet 
to the nation of Israel. And the visions that Isaiah had, the words that came out of his mouth are just incredible. The amount of messianic prophecies that are in the book of Isaiah are astounding. So Isaiah was no doubt a prophet and an anointed man of God. He wasn't out there sinning. He wasn't out there worshiping Baal and idols. And No, he, he was consecrated unto God. He lived a righteous and holy life. And yet, in the sixth chapter, he gets a vision. His eyes connect with the throne. The year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. And it stood above, and it stood the seraphims. Each one has six wings, with twain he covered his face, twain he covered his feet, twain he did one cried unto another, said, Holy, 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 the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And, and, and the post of the door moved and, and shook at the voice of God. And the house was filled with smoke. And then this prophet, this mighty anointed man of God, then this man says, Woe is me. Woe is me, I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. What? What are you saying, Isaiah? You're a prophet. You're a prophet. You're a man of God. You're anointed. And this prophet's eyes connected with God, and he says, woe is me, I am nothing. I am undone. I Isaiah didn't say, God. Look how I'm living right, and look, they're not living right. Isaiah didn't say, God, I, I pray more than everyone else, and I'm more spiritual than they are. Isaiah didn't say, look at those people. They're, they're, they're late for prayer, but I showed up early. Isaiah didn't say, God, did you hear about what so-and-so did? You need to go get them, God. You need to line them up. No, oh, no, not me, God. I'm good. When the prophet of God turned his attention to the Lord, he said, woe is me. Woe is me. I don't got time to look at anybody else. Woe is me. Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. I'm not, I'm not worthy, Lord. My righteousness is as filthy rags. It, it doesn't compare to your glory. It doesn't compare to your righteousness. My righteousness is not the standard to get into heaven. It's your righteousness. It's your glory that's the judge over the whole, whole, all the earth. I need to make sure I'm focusing on you. Isaiah, Isaiah, did you, did you hear about so-and-so? No. I ain't got time for that. Woe is me. That's all in my blind spot because I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I, I've got my own problems. I've got my own problems to worry about. Woe is me. 
I, I keep drawing, trying to draw close to him, and, and he is so holy. God is so holy that angels are not even allowed to see him. They're all around the throne, and they've got wings made just to cover their eyes because the glory of God is so pure and so holy. Angels cannot even see him. But his glory shines upon me and exposes me how unworthy I am. It shines as dark parts of my heart that I didn't even know were there. I don't have time to keep track of how everyone else is doing. This woe is me. I don't have time to keep track of how everyone else is living and, and judging them or shaming them or, and their mistakes. May, may God grant all of them mercy because I need mercy. I need mercy. If there's to be a healing in the body of Christ, it's only going to happen when we truly, truly take our eyes off ourselves and others and we get a vision of the almighty God and say, uh, woe is me. Woe is me, God. Help me to, to align myself with your word and your righteousness. I say truly because we, we say that we're looking at God. We say that we're looking to God. But if we are, how can there be backbiting? How can there be division? How can there be divisiveness? How can there be tearing down of the, the sons and daughters of God? How can there be shaming of one another if we're truly focused on who God is? Because if we truly are focused on Him, all that we see is our own sins and our own faults and our own failures. And so if we're going to move forward in God and see His glory like never before, then we need to realign our eyes and get our eyes focused on the Lord and declare, woe is me. Woe is me. I want to open up these altars today. To those who just want to come and fall before the Lord and say, God, help me. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I don't care what how they're living or what. I got to make sure that my life is right because woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. God, I am undone. I cannot hold myself together. I cannot hold myself together. My pride likes to tell me that everything is fine, but it's really not. Let's come. Come and fall before the Lord and say, God, purge me. God, cleanse me today. Help me to get a fresh vision of the throne of God. And declare, woe is me. Come on. Come on, let's lay before the Lord today. God, forgive me. Forgive me for the things I've said, God. Got off track. Let this place here cut people down and said things Can about them I should not have said. The sound of is me. Come on, let's bind together. Let's all we all belong at the, the foot of the cross.
Purify, oh Lord, hallelujah. 
Let's worship the Lord together. 